Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Well, I guess the good news is we're not at war. I guess uh, the good news is uh, there's about 150 uh, Iranians who who are alive and breathing when uh, apparently they came within uh, minutes of uh, being blown off the face of the earth. Uh, here's the president's tweet. We were cocked and loaded. <laughs> we were cocked and loaded to retaliate last night on three different sites when I asked, how many will die? 150 people, sir, was the answer from a general. Ten minutes before the strike, I stopped it. Yeah. He also had authorized it, apparently without knowing what the damage would be. Um, you're a few minutes from actually conducting the strike, and you think to ask, so uh, if we hit these three targets, I mean, uh, people going to die. At that point, that I don't, I, the good news is we're not at war. Uh, the good news is uh, his, uh, he backed off, which he so often does, after being bellicose and macho, cocked, loaded, something got through to him that this was a serious escalation that could, frankly, have us at war. The Iranians haven't killed one of our people, and we were about to bomb them and kill over 100 people in retaliation for them knocking a, a spy device out of the, a surveillance, excuse me, uh, device out of the sky. Well, it's one of the few times I'm actually grateful for him being as erratic as he is and ending up in the right place. Good God. Okay. All that while you were sleeping. Isn't that nice? I don't want to talk about it. We're so... We're so F-U-C-K'd. It's... It's incredible. Let's talk about something a little lighter for a moment, okay? Somebody, I don't know who did this, but somewhere, because uh, it showed up on, on Twitter, somebody uh, asked all of the Democratic candidates uh, what their comfort food was. And the list of their comfort food is frightening, I just want to say, is um, off-putting and extraordinarily disappointing. <laughs> I, I, if, the, if, these, if this is what constitutes comfort food for the Democratic potential uh, presidential candidate, then uh, we're, we're screwed again. Because no one, no one, a regular person in the country would consider almost any of this comfort food. Uh, some, maybe. Okay, you want to hear it? The only one, you even wonder if they know what they're talking. Uh, Julian Castro says his comfort food is iced tea. What? And and Cory Booker, I'm sorry, he's he has really, really fallen in my estimation. 
Cory Booker, when asked, what is your comfort food? He said, veggies. I mean, do, does he even understand what the term is? Or am I wrong? Veggies? I mean, it seems to me comfort food by its definition is the kind of food you're not supposed to eat. I mean, it's not healthy, but it's the food that you grew up on and that you eat. It's meat and potatoes. It's, yeah, it's mashed potatoes with gravy. It's, a, it's a, you know, a quart of ice cream. It's, it's, come on. Like meatloaf and mashed potatoes with gravy. That's comfort food, I think. Veggies? Are you kidding? And then listen to this, Tulsi Gabbard. I know I don't like her at all. She's, the, it's the worst. Tulsi Gabbard, what is your comfort food? Vegan cupcakes. Now, I'm telling you, this is the kind of shit that shows that Democrats are sort of out of it. Marianne Williamson. I have no comfort food. Okay. Um, Kamala Harris. French fries. Now, okay, that, all right, I get that one. I do. That's a, I get, I get it. I mean, it's not mine, but yeah, you're right, right. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is sort of, uh, okay, I'm not totally relating to it as comfort food, but uh, Elizabeth Warren's answer was chips and guacamole. It's still, you know, it's, I'm sorry. That ain't going to play in Peoria. Chips and guacamole. Vegan cupcakes. Iced tea and veggies. Dear Lord. Klobuchar. At least she's in the right area because it's a potato. But it's a baked potato. How's a baked potato comfort food? All right, okay. Baked potato maybe slathered in butter or sour cream or something like that. But it's just a plain old baked potato, I guess. Whatever. I don't know. Buttigieg's? I don't relate, but maybe this will go over and fly over country. Um, he says his comfort food is beef jerky. And that's that's it. Oh, except for uh, 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 Gillibrand. And I like her answer. But technically it's not a comfort food. But I like the answer. What's your comfort food, Senator? Whiskey. So... I mean, really, I, I, I have a lot of trouble relating to any of these responses except for, I guess, the whiskey and fries. I don't know. But, I don't know, one person's comfort. Is, but I, I don't think they get it. It sounds, I mean, a lot of those answers sound like what, you know, uh, when people uh, decry uh, liberals as, you know, elitists. I, some of this stuff just sounds elitist. Obviously, beef jerky doesn't. That's sort of like H.W. Uh, Bush and his pork rinds. That's what I love. Yeah. Sure. But good God. Taking comfort in veggies, I'm sorry, or vegan I mean, you have to say vegan cupcakes? Well, all right, I'm sorry, but ain't floating my boat. Um, another thing that I got a kick out of, I read this in the Washington Post. 
it it's just a story about a woman uh, who grew up in Wisconsin and um, actually a little town uh, called Beloit, Wisconsin, where there's a very good uh, school, by the way, uh, Beloit College. <laughs> Beloit, Wisconsin. This, this woman is an African-American woman, and uh, she's 46 years old. And uh, so her parents... It's her mother specifically, but her father acquiesced. This has to do with what her name is. And um, it's hard to believe. <laughs> it's, it is hard to believe. I used to sometimes joke about, you know, horrible names that people give. I have a bad name, I think. I mean, I just can't stand my name. Lynn is my middle name, the insipid Lynn. Um, but as many of you know, my first name is Ida. <coughs> Give me a break. A defenseless little, I was six pounds, six ounces, and they said, <laughs> let's call her Ida. Um, but no, this woman, and she's a beautiful woman. I'm looking at a picture of her. This woman, her parents looked at her and said, Let's call her Marijuana Pepsi. It's beyond belief. This poor child's name is Marijuana Pepsi. That, that's her first and middle name. Now she's married, her full name is Marijuana Pepsi Van Dyke. And, I mean, so she had to go to school, and, you know, the first day of school, I used to hate the first day of school because they always had me down as Ida. And I would, they, you know, they'd call the names, and I'd sit there just waiting for the horror because nobody called me that. Nobody called me that. In fact, my friends didn't even call me Lynn. I had this stupid nickname that was my name, Ninu. So I have all these names, all of them, awful, beyond awful. And I would sit there thinking, oh, God, oh, God, here it comes. You know, it would always, always be alphabetical. You get to the G's and the H's, and we're heading into the M's. And here we go. Ida Miller. And my classmates would, of course laugh and I would have to say here would you please call me Lynn and this but this poor woman this is a little girl and the and the, and the teacher says marijuana I mean marijuana that's her name she said her parents named her after the two things they really liked Well, isn't that sweet? Yeah, Marijuana Pepsi. It's her legal name. The father did object, but he was no match for the mother. In fact, the father left the mother not long after that. <laughs> I don't know. And, I mean, whatever got into this, the mother, is beyond... I mean, because Marijuana is quoted as saying, Yeah, right, you named my older sister Kimberly. You name my younger sister Robin. I get marijuana Pepsi? Jeez. But her close friends and, and family, they didn't call her marijuana. They called her Pepsi. Sort of like, you know, you get, go, I guess the, the middle name was considered the least offensive. Um... Oh, the the her parents' marriage does, uh, went south after uh, 
young marijuana's father became a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. However, she said her horror of being called Marijuana Pepsi, uh, things changed when she got to be um, in high school. Because by that time, people thought, you got the coolest name. Everybody was thinking, I can't believe Marijuana Pepsi's her name. And she's, she said her friends would say, oh, I, I'm going to name my kid after you. And she would say, oh, dear Lord, don't. Don't do that to them. Uh, anyway, she ended up doing okay. She got away from her mother. <laughs> she went off. What's going on out there? Excuse me. We have anything but a soundproof studio. It's like they're having a party. Um, anyway, so she got uh, she got her act together after leaving her mother. She was named Mara and the most improved student in high school at the graduation. And our most improved student, Marijuana Pepsi. And she actually got a $12,000 scholarship to the University of Wisconsin at Whitewater. Um, <laughs> so anyway, she's, uh, she did okay. And she's kept the name. She was a school teacher, elementary school teacher. Um, she got her master's degree, and then she went on to get a Ph.D. She uh, had a child of her own, a son. She named him Isaac. But she always insisted that people call her by her name, and she thought that the name was proof of how she succeeded in life, despite the obstacles of having a name like Marijuana Pepsi. It makes my problems with Ida look like, you know, nothing. Uh, so she has, a, she has a doctorate now in higher education. And, uh, and you know what she wrote it about? Her dissertation, excuse me, what she wrote it about. Here's the title. Black Names in White Classrooms. Teacher Behaviors and Student Perceptions. So she made a, a, her whole doctorate about the power of names and unusual names, which certainly is what happens to a lot of black students. Um, and and how that really, in fact, affects um, their experience in schools. So she lives on a three-acre farm now, right near the Wisconsin-Illinois border. She raises pigs and chickens, and they uh, they have four children. She says, "I've never smoked marijuana." And for that matter, I don't like Pepsi. She works a lot with underprivileged students. Um, just a few more things about poor marijuana Pepsi. A police officer once threatened to arrest her thinking she was being disrespectful to him and lying about her name. When she fills out routine paperwork or places an order over the phone, she ends up always having to, I mean, why don't you, I mean, you could just, I don't know, go by an initial, just MP or something. Um Anyway, there you have it. Marijuana, Pepsi. You think you got troubles? Actually, Dr. Marijuana, Pepsi. Thank you very much.
a good she's a good looking woman obviously has a sense of humor too uh oh comfort food chuck writes none of those comfort foods you mentioned will fly here in pittsburgh my comfort food is meatloaf mashed potatoes and gra- me too although i mean i can do i mean any any meat and potatoes is is what i want i mean a pot roast can do it it's isn't comfort food what takes you back to like your child and and a feeling of yes security and stick to your ribs kind of feeling it has to be i don't know I can't wait for this field of 24 candidates, Chuck writes, to whittle itself down. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the debate's coming up. Um, a, a friend uh, has elected me to host a viewing party. Um, I think we're doing it on the second one because that's the one with most of the sort of named candidates. Um, no, it's, 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 it's rough. Yeah, all these people. Although, you know what, looking at the ones you don't even know, you might end up finding them most attractive, sort of like Buttigieg when he, sort, when he had that, you know, breakthrough moment because he took an hour of uh, free live television and, uh, and scored. People just liked him. They liked what he had to say. He sounded different. And, uh, you know, someone could perhaps uh, break out like that. I think comfort food, does some comfort food, it's either carbs or it's sweets, right? Those are the two main, but it ain't veggies. Jeez, God. And it ain't beef jerky. That's not carbs or sweet either. It's got to be. Well, who am I? To, who am I to judge what gives another person comfort, right? Little Tony writes, my opinion of Cory Booker, who I had nothing against, has fallen as well. I even like the guy. For me, it's the Joe Biden thing. The media seems obsessed with Joe telling the wrong story about getting things done with segregation in his past. I'm so sick of this nothing story. Move on, please. Corey and the rest of the candidates obsessing over the story is only turning me against them, and I don't think that's what they want. Please move on. Okay, let me just... um, Did I talk about this at all? I do think um, that what I found offensive (laughs) about Biden's remark was not that he said he worked with, you know, this despicable Senator Eastland. I mean, one of the things that we've forgotten how to do is that in order for a a legislative body a deliberative body to function people have to work together and they have to work with people they don't agree with at all they have to work with people they don't like that's how it's supposed to work One of the reasons it's not working now is because nobody will work with people they don't like or that they don't agree with. So I think Biden was simply trying to say, hey, look, I can do that, and that's what we do need to do. The thing he said that made me crazy is he said, Senator Eastland didn't call me boy, he called me son. And that just leapt out at me. Or is it leaped? It whatever hit me right between the eyes and I thought, how could you say that? He didn't call you boy, you Because that is a particular word he reserved for emasculating black men. He called you son and as a way to emasculate you. That's what he did to white guys. But boy, 
that blew me away. And it shows a sort of, he's a little, you know what? I, my sense is, is that these little blips where he says something that seems innocuous, no big deal, but it does show his age. And I think our party is energized not by old guys who say things like that and don't get it. But I do agree that too much is being made. I, I think there's been willful misunderstanding of what he was saying. But if he has a reputation for saying things that shoot him in the foot, I, I mean, he's showing that aspect of him. And that's, that's, you know, I mean, obviously such rules don't apply to the president, Donald Trump. Because <laughs> every other word out of his mouth is so astonishingly reprehensible, nobody reacts so for people freaking out about Biden saying, you know, yeah, I worked with Eastland. However, though, the story, yeah, there's there's a story out today in, let me get it for you, uh, in the Washington Post, where um, letters now, that he wrote to Senator Eastland back in the 70s um, have now come out, and they won't help him with black voters. Because in 1977, Biden was the youngest member of the Senate, and he'd already been there a few years, and he was still the youngest member of the Senate. And he was against busing as a tool for desegregating school districts. Joe Biden was opposed to busing. Guess who else was opposed to busing? Yes, Senator Eastland, of course, and his ilk. Eastland, who straight out said that he considered blacks an inferior race. So Biden working with Eastland against busing, that's more problematic, is it not? Or that's, the, that's when you get somebody that old. You know, he would... Yes, people evolve. They change. But none of this is helpful. Um, the letters show, uh, you know, that these guys were working together legislatively on something that you wouldn't want them to. <laughs> so... We have a call. I'm sorry. Caller. Go ahead, please. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Hi. Um, <clears throat> I'd vote for Biden in a heartbeat over Trump. And I like him, and I think he'd be a good president. But my, my one I really want to be in there, who I think would change things, and what I like about her is she has a plan for everything. She tells you how she's going to do it. None of the rest of them, they just have lip service. Lip service, lip service. She tells you what she's going to do. And that's what I want to know. I want to know how you're going to do it. Not this BS, you're going to do this and that. Tell me how you're going to do it. Yeah. And that's what I like about her. But I don't know if she can make it or not. Did you even mention her, your, her name, Elizabeth Warren, right? Yes, Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, I forgot to say that. <laughs> 
But but I yeah, knew who you I were talking about. She tells you how she's going to do something. Yeah. She yeah. just doesn't say, oh, I'm going to do this and that. She has a plan, like she says, and I love it. Yeah. I love when people have a plan, how they're going to do it. Because this idiot in there, he has no plan. He just flies by the seat of his pants, works on a shoestring budget, whatever you want to say about him. I can't take people like that. I want somebody with a plan that has some solid ground on stuff. Yeah. Uh, ideas that are going to do something. Okay. What's your comfort That's food? Dumb. What's your comfort food? Probably junk food. You know. Okay, like, just yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So any, like yeah, any kind of or greasy food. Yeah, greasy. Okay, greasy. Yeah, but yeah. that's the, you got the right idea. It's stuff you're not supposed yep. to eat, and yeah, we'll eat tons of it. Right. Gotcha. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. But you know, in a pinch, he would he would eat uh, guacamole and chips with uh, Elizabeth Warren. I know. In a heartbeat. Uh, little Tony responds, I, I agree the guy put his foot in his mouth again. Guess what? It won't be the last time. If he's the nominee, he'll have my vote. If Corey's a nominee, he'll have my vote. In fact, any rational human being will have my vote. My dog will have my vote. Your guppy will have my vote. I mean... I, my moth-eaten sweater I found in the back of my closet. I'm all in. Yeah. And meanwhile, we can and we're going to have to jockey to get to find the person that most of us, in fact, want. Uh, it's not going to be fun. Okay. So we did marijuana, Pepsi. We did. Uh, huh? Oh, here's something. Do you need your blood pressure? Is your is it low today? Let me get it up. Just and I don't even have to. I'm just gonna do um, the headline. I'm not gonna do anything more. I'll just let it stay here with you. Uh, this is a headline from uh, Financial News. Amazon. Made 11, what, trillion? What? Wait a minute, thousands, hundreds? Yeah. Amazon made 11 trillion dollars in profit? In profit last year? Okay. Guess how many... Zero taxes. Amazon will pay nothing in federal in in federal taxes, even though it made eleven trillion dollars. And that's all you have to know about the corruption of our nation. That's all you have to know. And obviously they're not alone. I don't think they paid taxes last year either. And all of the people with the money. That's why Elizabeth Warren's plan is, hey, get these people to pay their fair share. There is no possible rationale why that statement Amazon will pay zero taxes why that statement should exist I mean there's no way you can defend that our taxation system uh, just is insane it's insane The little people, you know, even often when I'm in, um, you know, driving around Pittsburgh, I have the same visceral reaction. Um, I'm looking at people on the bus and I'm thinking, that guy pays taxes. They take taxes right out of whatever meager paycheck he's getting, she's getting. She pays 
Doesn't own a car. She can't afford one. But she pays taxes. And we're driving by the University of Pittsburgh. All of that land. No property tax paid. All of the churches, the universities, the hospitals, all of these rich institutions, they don't pay property taxes. But you do. So it's like the little people holding up everything and the rich just keep taking more and more and refusing to pay their obvious fair share. A child. My moth-eaten sweater would know it. This is wrong. It is insane. Um, just want to say, uh, there was, you know, the Supreme Court decisions are going to be coming down um, daily. The one that dropped yesterday that I thought, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, I'm not surprised by it, is the one that allows this uh, 40-foot cross to stay on public land. It's a it's a public memorial to World War I soldiers killed uh, that lived in that county uh, in Maryland. And uh, a, a group of atheists, uh, you know, took them to court and said, you can't have this huge, humongous cross on public property. I'm sorry. I don't even care if, you know, the intent was to honor some folks, but nope. And, of course, uh, the Supreme Court said, yes, that cross can stay there. It's the reasons they gave which blew me away. So Alito, writing, said that the cross did not violate the First Amendment ban on government establishment of religion because the symbol has taken on a secular meaning. I don't know about you, but when I see a cross, <laughs> it there's no secular meaning. It's the symbol of Christianity, a religion. That's what it is, a cross. Yeah. And, of course, it took a Jew, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, to, in her dissent, state it very well. The Latin cross, she said, is the foremost symbol of the Christian faith, embodying the central theological claim of Christianity that the Son of God died on the cross, that he rose from the dead, and that his death and resurrection offer the possibility of eternal life. That's a Jew completely understanding what a cross is and why it's a symbol of Christianity. And just in case they didn't understand what she was saying, Justice Ginsburg said, the Latin cross is not emblematic of any other faith. A cross is Christian. In fact, somebody looked up that when this uh, thing was dedicated uh, at the ceremony in 1920 something or other, um, the a member of Congress uh, who was giving the keynote address said this. 
by the token of this cross, symbolic of Calvary, Calvary, let us keep fresh the memory of our boys who died for a righteous cause. Symbolic of Calvary. I mean, he understood it was symbolic of a specific religion. By the way, I always get Calvary and Cavalry mixed up. Here come the cal- Calvary. Here come the Cavalry. I, I, I don't. It's just, you have to understand how that's possible, right? Calvary. It's not, and here come the cavalry, right? So, I'm just saying, not a biggie, not a big deal. Uh, Those of us whose uh, faith has nothing to do with crosses, we do, though, understand what a cross represents, (laughs) even if the Supreme Court does not. You know, I get that someone can argue that a Christmas tree has become a secular symbol, which I also do not agree with, but I, I could do that argument. You're on stronger ground with a Christmas tree. But a cross? Okay, I said yesterday I wanted to talk somewhat about the reparations issue because there is a bill now before the House that would establish a investigatory commission of some sort to start talking about what the heck we as a nation should rightfully do to to what acknowledge Uh, the horror of slavery to acknowledge the toll the human toll of it to acknowledge that that toll continues generations after slavery was abolished and um, it's a big question I certainly have no problem with having this commission start the conversation because that's all this bill is about it's not about what is it we do it's trying to figure out what we could do nobody thinks that reparations would actually come down to writing individual checks to every African American in America that's not how it's going to happen but there could be, you know, federal uh, recognition in that maybe zero interest loans for prospective black homeowners or free college tuition or something that would help black owned businesses and housing and, you know, something, something. I don't know. Nothing is right. There's no way you can offer anything that is true recompense. Those that were held, there's no slave living that you can make recompense. But... I think I mentioned yesterday that immediately after the war, uh, 1865, 400,000 acres of land, coastal land, was given to former slaves as a result of a special order issued by the Union General William Sherman. He said, that land, that's yours. That order lasted less than a year because, as I told you, when President Lincoln was assassinated, he was succeeded by racist Andrew Johnson who rescinded Sherman's order. 
And pretty much every effort to do anything for black people was surprise, surprise, went nowhere. Former uh, Representative John Conyers uh, introduced legislation uh, to create a commission to figure out what the best proposals for reparations should be. He introduced that bill every year he was in the Congress of the United States. That is 30 years. 30 years he put that bill in. 30 years it went nowhere. This one will likely pass the House, but then, I mean, the Senate... Mitch McConnell's not going to touch it. So, it's a tough question how to do it. It is really tough. We have a caller. Call, caller, go ahead, please. Hello, Lynn. Hi. 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 You're, you're marijuana Pepsi woman. Yeah, reminds me of the reminds me of Johnny Cash, a boy named Sue. Right, right, right. Yeah, well, the end of the song goes out. If I ever have a son, I'll name him any. I Bob or Bill, anything but Sue. How about marijuana Pepsi? Yeah, that's worse. Yeah, how could that mother actually say, "Let's name her marijuana Pepsi"? I mean, come on. Maybe she was smoking marijuana and drinking Pepsi. Yeah, something like that. She did smoke a lot of pot, and then, yeah, she'd drink Pepsi. That was her two favorite things, marijuana, Pepsi. It's amazing that even the clerk let them do it. I mean, you know, at some point, haven't some names been, like, taken to court where, the like, the government steps in and says you can't do that to this child? Yeah, that's, I don't know. Hey, did you ever check out that book on Mo Berg? On what? That, Mo Berg, the catcher was a spy. Oh, Mo Berg. No, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't. But well, you need to. All right, I got so many things I need to read. But no, I'd, yeah. I'm sure I'd. I'm sure I would find it uh, wonderful. I mean, he's just fascinating, Mo Berg. The, the major league you're, baseball you're, spy. You're, 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 you're ready. You will enjoy it. Okay. I guarantee that. Okay. And I'll leave you with this, Lynn. Okay? Mm-hmm. You're looking pretty good in that black woman. I like that black on you, girl. I'll be the Zane. Bye. Gee, that's something Joe Biden would say. All right, the other thing I want to say is, <laughs> the other thing I want to say is, in regard to reparations, just some historical fact. Um, the U.S. has paid reparations to other groups. Um, let's see. 1971 says here, almost $1 billion worth of land in Alaska, 44 million acres, was given to the Eskimos, the Native Americans there, the Aleuts. Um, But there was a tit for tat. So that land was given to them by the feds, but in return, they were to relinquish, they agreed to relinquish any claims that they had to any other parts of the state. But they were given a billion dollars worth of land in 1971, although it was not, you know, again, it wasn't like, okay, every Eskimo got a check um, or, or, or proof of ownership, no. Um, the land was put, um, this is the way America does things, 
the land was put in control of a corporation. And the beneficiaries were given shares of stock. You always got to let the capitalists come in and take most of it, right? All right. Um, and then uh, more famously, of course, uh, was uh, when Congress voted to pay, actually, actually to write a check to every Japanese-American still alive. They waited till most of them had died. It was 1988 to each Japanese-American survivor of our uh, last go-around with concentration camps. Um, and m more than 1.6 billion was paid out to 82,000 plus people, 20,000 each. Again, four years of their lives were taken from them. Their property, in many cases, uh, their personal property, their homes were lost as a result, their income, their jobs. And then uh, the state of Florida in 1994 actually became the first state to pass a reparations law. And this was to try to make amends 70 years after the fact of uh, a massacre, a racist massacre that occurred in the town of Rosewood, Florida, when a white mob went insane because some, of course, black guy had been accused of who knows what, looking at, touching, who knows, a white woman. This was 1923. That town was pretty much destroyed. Anyway, so more than 70 years after the fact, Florida decided they would put $2 million aside for anyone who survived that massacre. Well, again, they're almost all of them dead. And, and that's part of the problem with, you know, how do you make reparations when, I don't know, it's going to be tough going to be tough to figure. I can't imagine a more contentious, a more difficult kind of a, of a thing to parse. Um, there were actually letters to the editor in uh, the Times today about it where you can see uh, that people, when they start thinking about it, can't figure out how you figure it. Here's somebody who says, it's hard for me to consider reparations to African Americans without simultaneously including Native Americans. Native Americans were almost genocided by our forefathers. And their land was taken from them and they were herded onto other land that they were given where many of them still stay. What about their reparations? See right there, that's what starts to happen. It gets complicated. Here's somebody who's questioning Would, it's the same question, would, would Native Americans, um, those who are left, get any reparations? Um, how about the descendants of those who died fighting for the Union? <laughs> See, wh white people always want their share, or what they perceive as their share. 
It is telling, writes this letter writer, that none of those who have called for reparations have proposed a comprehensive plan for getting it done. I suggest it's because we can't think about this for five minutes without running into these same kinds of problems. It's it's like you can totally understand why reparations of some sort are owed, but also that it's really hard to figure out how to do it. Here's somebody who says, hey, look, for the descendants of the slaves, the question is whether to pursue atonement for what happened in the past or tangible gains for the future. And that would, it would seem, take the form of uh, grants to start businesses or go to college, things like that. But boy, figuring out how to do it. Uh Uh-uh. Gee, sorry. I don't know. It's a it's a it's a real difficult difficult uh issue. Apparently we've never made our government has never made a national apology. For slavery. I mean, I don't know. By the way, Barack Obama, shut the hell, Jesus, I'm sorry, excuse me. Um, Barack Obama did not favor uh, the payment of reparations. It says right here, opposed reparations, calling the idea impractical. Yeah, he bumped into the the how the how question and couldn't get couldn't get beyond it. Hmm. Well, isn't it amazing? Back to Iran, how you can see again how people fall in line and quite willing quite willingly to start something that will, and we know now, (laughs) that will end in some prolonged conflict in which people will die. Should one American die because the Iranians shot down a drone? And if you look at the maps and where Iran says they shot it down and where we say it was, it's like it's like, who knows? I don't know. I don't know if they're right. I don't know if we're right. But that's like a such a slip. I mean, wouldn't you say it's provocative of us to be that close to the... What? These games of chicken that, that are played by men. Men! You gotta be... You can't, you see, and now Trump has backed off, shown weakness. So I guess we do have to go to war. I guess people do have to die here. Because we've been disrespected. And yes, the Iranians are being provocative. Yes, so are we. It wasn't provocative for Trump to pull out of the Iranian deal? This is where it's gotten us. (coughs) Man. It's a horror show. All right. I think I'm done. I think I'm done. Why don't you all go get some comfort food? 
and say a little prayer of thanks that you were not named marijuana Pepsi. There's a lot of things to be grateful for in this world. Meatloaf, mashed potatoes, and gravy. Greasy food. And not being named marijuana Pepsi. Have a good weekend. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.